My name is Rusty Mackey, and you're listening to The Art of Stability. Hey folks, and welcome back to The Art of Stability, where I have conversations with old and new friends to hear how they're navigating the challenges of life while staying grounded to Jesus in the midst of it all. On today's episode, I talk with Daryl Dash, who was born and raised in the Toronto area. He's married to Charlene and has two grown children, and the family just welcomed their first grandson. Daryl has 20 years of pastoral experience and nine years of church planting in downtown Toronto, which in his words makes Seattle and Portland look like the Bible Belt. He's also an author of some helpful books and writes my personal favorite weekly newsletter, A Thought, A Quote, and A Resource. You are going to enjoy today's episode as we talk about encouragement, family crisis, and digesting God's word and goodness. Stay with us and enjoy You Can't Plant a Church with Daryl Dash. Daryl, one of the things that I've noticed about you as I've interacted with you online is, if I can sum it up in a word, is really your intentionality. Uh, I've noticed that you are intentional in resourcing folks. I think I noticed that at first with your uh, newsletter, which I love, by the way. It's one of my favorite newsletters that I get every week. And then I've also noticed in your intentionality to promote and encourage other people's work. So that's kind of the two areas that I've seen your intentionality play out. And I just wanted to start out today and uh, really just ask you, what drives that intentionality? What What is it in your story that makes you that type of an encourager and a resourcer? Oh man, that's such a good question. Uh, I don't even know if I have a good answer. (laughs) I I mean, I just love to find good stuff out there and there's such a joy in not only finding it, but sharing it with other people. I'm a builder. So I like, uh, the big thing is I like to put together material to share with others. And I think probably if you drill down deeper, A large part of what I do is very little original stuff, but if I can kind of take and remix what other people are doing and then give Mm. them credit, but kind of put it together in a fresh way, I feel really good to be able to say like, man, this isn't my thought, but I came across this guy and he said this and I connected it with this piece over here. And, you know, I think, I think you might like it. I I just find that a lot of fun. So yeah, I appreciate (laughs) you saying that. I'm not even aware that I do it completely, but um, I... Part of it is being a pastor for so long. I know that yeah. how challenging it can be and how the right resource at the right moment can be so encouraging. And yeah. Rusty, I, I don't know if you're listening to the new podcast by uh, Ray Ortland and Sam Albury. I've uh, not yet. I've wanted to get around to it. The, the, the last episode this week, Ray Ortland was saying, what if if somebody is reading my tweets and is is suicidal? He's like, I don't want to be the guy that at that moment is giving him even more reason to be discouraged. I want to be the guy that's giving him every reason as he comes across what I'm writing to be encouraged and to say, okay, hold on, there's there's hope out there. So, yeah, I just find I gravitate towards people like that. And I really, I, I think we just need it, right? Um, everybody needs encouragement. I think we're all struggling with stuff. So the more encouragement we can offer each other, the better, I think. Mm. 
Great answer. I really appreciate you calling yourself a, you know, a remixer that you like to remix a uh, bit of an R rated reference literally, but you know, Quentin Tarantino, the famous uh, director, uh, he often thinks of himself and a lot of people consider him to be a remixer because he has such a vast knowledge of uh, movie and cinema history. And a lot of his own stuff is he's just taking all these different parts and he's putting them together. Um, do you find joy in the creativity of that? Like, does that scratch a creative itch for you to be able to remix? It does. It it really does. So a formative book for me was reading somehow Gordon, uh, Gordon McDonald's uh, Ordering Your Private World, which is now a hmm. huge classic. Yeah. And one thing I appreciate about him was he was able to plumb the depths of you know, say, Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God, and some classic works of theology, and relate it in a fresh way to, I mean, that was the 80s, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And at the time, it was just like, this is so fresh. And I love that. Like, I talked to a guy the other day, and he he read uh, Benedict's Rule, and was translating it into contemporary culture. I just find there's a lot of joy in finding really old stuff and popularizing it again, helping people rediscover it. So, and it doesn't have to be old stuff. It just has to be really good stuff, um, introducing people to it and helping them find it. Yeah. It also keeps us humble, right? That we don't kind of get these big heads of like, look at the new things I'm creating, but there's a recognition within that remixing of, I stand on the shoulders of those who've come before me. Mm -hmm. So significant. Yeah, there's nothing really original at all. Like, and that's a humbling thing, but nobody's heard it through, you know, your particular voice. So yeah. I think that we, yeah, we just bring, it's not like we bring a unique message because there is no un- unique message. We just bring it to bear on a particular time and people and location, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 It's like another wise guy we know who once said there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You mentioned earlier the one of the drivers for you with encouragement is that we're all struggling with something. And I mean, there's just so much truth to that, especially with the world that we're living in right now. And, and really a big motivator for this podcast is to get to hear stories where folks have had moments of struggle, uh, where life has been difficult and challenging and how they've navigated the instability of that. So just wondering if you can share a story with us today of a time of instability. Well, there are many in my life. I, I think one of the key ones for me that, that was really formative uh, recently, we were at a ch- in a challenging ministry context for 13 years. And I won't get into the whole story, but it really became clear that God was at work. You know, at these transition times, you look back and you see God at work. Yeah. And to my surprise, we ended up church planting. And, and so we processed the whole thing. We got godly guidance and we left this ministry position where I'd been for 13 years, good salary, fairly good public profile as well. So, you know, I was leaving and, and leaving into this new role, which was moving to a brand new community where there were no churches and we were leaving. We had zero people on our core team, our launch team. So it was a typical parachute plant. And it was a very high-risk area. In fact, one of my church planting friends told me, nobody can plant a church there. Mm. It's impossible. 
And then he looked at me and he said, but even if somebody could plant a church there, you can't plant a church there. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank so you, had, brother. He had the gift of encouragement. Though. He did. Uh, he did. <laughs> well, the worst part was this was after I'd already committed, right? So it was too late to do anything about it. And, and so we were in the middle of this massive personal transition and doing it completely alone and with a very short runway to raise financial support. And anyway, so we did that. Ten days after we left the, our former ministry, we got a call from my daughter's school. She was in high school at the time. And basically, without getting into too many of the, the details, she went through a very severe mental health crisis at that time. And so I remember getting that phone call and just dealing with the ramifications. I would, I would tell people <laughs> our family was very low maintenance. We didn't really have those ups and downs. And yet 10 days into this massive transition with no church really to speak of and no community to surround us, no church community, we just lost our church community. We were facing probably the biggest crisis of our family life ever. Wow. Uh, shortly after that, my son, who was in junior high school at that time, I think grade seven or eight, again, he's he's rock steady. He developed a cold. And after about a week, he would miss school, maybe if it was a bad cold for three or four days. Well, a week later, he wasn't going back to school. And it became evident that he was depressed. And I just remember feeling... You know, church planting is one of these endeavors that you just want to bring your best to it. And I remember turning to my wife and saying, I think I knew it would be hard. I just didn't know it would be hard to get up in the morning and to face another day. So that was a, a probably the greatest period of massive instability in our lives that I've ever experienced. Wow. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that and for, yeah, just your vulnerability in sharing. You know, one of the interesting things about church planning, especially if you go the parachute route, I mean, you said it, is that if you then have a crisis, there is no church community because you're there with God's help, of course, and with partnership with Jesus, you are there to see a church community get formed. And so if your family gets a crisis, uh, then yeah, you're, you're really alone and you're isolated and and, you know, you mentioned the dynamic of not being able to get up in the morning and that being the thing that you didn't expect being so hard. Daryl, would you, looking back, say that you were experiencing depression in that moment as well? You know, I, I actually don't think I was, but it was only the grace of God that, uh, now, I don't want to say that I was doing well at that time. There, sure. there were a lot of things that took place to help me out, but... Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was experiencing depression at that time, um, but my family was under severe stress. And yeah. what I would say, I remember anxiety, um, probably more anxiousness than depression. So, yeah, um, which I know they're fairly related, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the anxiety of. Uh, so, you know, one <laughs> one time, and very humbling for me to recount it, my wife had a friend over. And I think my kids were supposed to be doing something and they didn't. Well, I called them and I just lost it on them, which I don't do. And I remember my wife's friend saying, you know, I think I better be going, you know, I'll see you later. And then <laughs> I knew that it was because she'd overheard me basically losing it on my kids. So 
yeah, I think the the level at, at the time I wasn't that non-anxious presence that I wanted to be. I was really a bundle of nerves and it was coming out sideways in a lot of ways that weren't healthy. Yeah, well, there was definitely a lot of pressure points going on all at once. It sounds like a, a pressure cooker type moment. What were some of the things that helped you get through that difficult time? Looking back, um, were there intentional resources that you found <laughs> that helped you? You know, this is going to a great. I, this is going to sound like uh, we planned this, but there were actually three things that helped. And once <laughs> one was this. I went to a. I was going to a spiritual director at the time. Mm. That's a part that you might think we planned. That Rusty, you and I talked about the value of spiritual direction. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I was in the process of of probably once a month going to see this guy, and I could tell him anything, and he would never be shocked. One time, I said to him, "Man, you know the worst stuff about me. You must be." you must think very lowly of me. And he looked up surprised and he said, hmm. you know, it's actually the opposite. The way that yeah. it works, the greater the transparency and the more you're aware of the mess or the struggles of another person, actually, right. the more the more tenderness there is somehow in that relationship and the more yeah. the more intimacy and respect. So, but that was a lifeline, right? He was just a place where I could go and be completely honest and receive the support that I needed. Uh, the other one that, to say by God's grace, the second thing that happened, I went to my church planning supervisor and I said, uh, his name's Tom. I said, Tom, this is not what we'd had planned, right? You approved me to plant this church. Neither of us knew that I would be going through this. If you want to pull the plug on this, then <laughs> pull the plug. I completely understand. And he turned to me and he said, Daryl, I am solidly committed to you. Uh, this is not a surprise to the Lord, and I am standing with you. And so he was just rock solid in his support, and that meant the world to me. He never wavered. And uh, just to know that I, you know, my job was an insecure as a struggling pastor at that time, I think there is a time to step aside, but uh, that, that time, and, and I don't think it was the time, so he was really behind me. The third thing that happened, and this was really key, I, I turned to Chardine one day and I said, at that point, I think I had you know over 20 years of pastoring experience. I'd read all the books. I'd been assessed as a church planter. And I turned to Char and I said, I really thought we would plant this church with a lot of strength. And I'm really frustrated that we're limping into this new community and yeah. planting a church in weakness. And... I think she was shaped enough by scripture to turn to me and say, <laughs> what if it's actually not an accident? What if God intends us to plant this church in weakness? Thinking of Paul in 2 Corinthians, right? What if we're not supposed to come to a new community that doesn't know Jesus and say, hey, we've arrived, we've got our lives together, and we've got all the answers. But we show up really as wounded healers, basically saying, we're here needing God's grace, and we're here because we want to share God's grace with you. And that was a really profound moment for her to, to begin to see, you know, it was still a tough year. It didn't resolve right away. Uh, we spent probably every morning, the first part of the day after the kids went to school, in tears, praying together. So it was really hard. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And yet I think God really used it to set the tone of our church plan right from the beginning. 
Well, we can definitely see the Lord's strength uh, through that weakness and the fruit of that in your ministry uh, to your church locally, but also your broader ministry. So praise God for holding you guys and praise God for giving you uh, a wonderful wife who can help with some good biblical perspective in the midst of difficulty. That's beautiful. What are some ways that you're enjoying Jesus at this point in your life? Are there, I mean, you know, you just shared a story of instability. We're in a world of instability now. So what are, what are some practices or some ways that you're staying uh, close to Jesus, Daryl? Yeah, man, I love that question. Uh, I I think of two things uh, right now. And one is in the morning, I've just developed this habit, and it's a recent one by reading a book. It's called How to Eat Your Bible. Okay. And it's just such a really good book. Uh, and and the thing is, he says, instead of trying to read the Bible every year, which I love doing, or you know, following a plan to read it over two years, he said he recommends taking a seven-year plan and mm-hmm. just working through section by section a piece of scripture for either half a month or a month. And over seven years working through the whole Bible. And so every morning, uh, almost every day, I pick up my Bible. And it takes me probably anywhere from two to four weeks to work through maybe anywhere from eight chapters to maybe 12 chapters. And just to spend, do a deep dive for two weeks or four weeks. I'm just really enjoying not rushing, but lingering through Scripture. And it's been such a rich experience. And it's not for a sermon series, right? It's just for me digesting and eating the Word of God. So I've really enjoyed that whole process. It's been, yeah, it's just been a joy. And, you know, for me, morning works. For my wife, it doesn't work. I, I know we're all different. I don't recommend a particular time of the day, but man, that has just been such a rich experience. And the other one, I'll be quick with this, Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, I love my my Sabbath happens to be Friday, and already today, as we're recording this, it's Wednesday. I'm counting down to. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till Friday, right? I'm already thinking about what we're gonna do, mm-hmm. and uh, just a day of waking up and just enjoying God's presence. And kind of my rule for Sabbath is, if it feels like an obligation, I don't do it that day. If yeah. it brings me life, I do it. If I if there's something I want to do that makes me feel alive that makes me feel God's blessing and pleasure and brings me joy and, Mm -hmm. and reawakens my soul. I, I do that on a Friday. So yeah, I'm, that has just been such a rich life giving Jesus saturated experience in my life. I love that. And you know, you're doing Sabbath, right? If you find yourself uh, anticipating it, looking forward to it, can't wait to get to it. Uh, Two questions based off of those uh, two things you shared. When you linger and savor scripture, uh, what does that look like? Are you journaling? Are you like doing deep dive study? Are you doing more like, uh, you know, Lectio Divina, like imagining yourself in the passage? Like what, what is that process? Yeah, I, I've, bought these scripture journals and they're every book of the Bible uh, is its own little notebook. And on the left, you've got the text and on the right, you've just got space to journal a whole page to fill. And what I do is, um, you, you know, first thing I do is to read the book or read the section and highlight it. Um, the next thing that I do is I begin to go work through reference materials 
that help me understand the passage. And then at the end, I just make copious notes. And near the end of that, revisit it again and just read through it. So yeah, I find that as I'm, re- as I'm reading through it and working through it, it just gives me stuff to think about. And I discover things I've never seen before, even though I've read the passages many, many times. So yeah, I, and I've, at the end of it, it's interesting, Rusty, because I still feel like I'm scratching the surface, even after yeah. spending a couple weeks in the... I don't feel like I've mastered it. I feel like, okay, I think I've got a rudimentary understanding of it now. And probably next time I go through it, I'm going to see stuff that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, that's the beauty of scripture. And it's the beauty of working hard to, like you're saying, digest scripture, right? Not to master it, but just to realize I'm never going to master this. And I can press in and work hard to fall in love with it more really is what I hear you saying. Like you're just falling more in love with scripture, falling more in love with Jesus. Um, what is your awareness of Jesus as you journal and as you process like it, what, what's your experience like between him as you're hearing from him in his word? Yeah. And this is just me, you know, different people are, it's, it's so interesting when you talk to people and it's like, when do you sense Jesus' presence? And for a lot of people, it would be, you know, maybe music or on a Sunday when they're with God's people or when I'm in nature. For me, it's it's actually studying God's word that Jesus just, I mean, he's he's very real to me. I don't want to say it all the time, but it's it's not a struggle for me to sense Jesus' presence in my life. But especially probably the thin place for me where I sense his presence most is when I'm doing that deep dive into his word. So yeah, it's it's very rich. I don't struggle in reading scripture. You know, I'm fairly task-oriented. I don't struggle that much, though, in... Like, it's very devotional. The study is very devotional to me, even though it's probably more intellectual. It still seems very devotional to me to sense God's presence in his word. I love this picture of Psalm 1, right? Uh, meditating on mm-hmm. God's word day and night mm-hmm. and becoming like this tree that is in season all the time. It's It almost seems yeah. like that. Just like meditating on God's word just brings me that life. Yeah. And as a writer as well, you know, it is interesting, those who have more of a proclivity to write, how journaling and writing about scripture. There's something there in how God wires us as well. Um, Can you speak to your Sabbath a little bit? You know, I I chat with folks about Sabbath and um, one of the struggles can be what, what do I do or like getting some, some metrics in place to help us plan and for it not to become mundane and routine. But, you know, you mentioned like, you're thinking about it, you're preparing, you're like, what can I do this Friday to make it fun? Uh, Could you give some counsel personally, what's helped you to be able to keep your Sabbath fresh and fun and not just kind of repeating the same things over and over again? You know, one thing that I found really helpful. Okay. Well, first thing I'll say is it's hard. (laughs) It's hard work. Yeah. I didn't anticipate this. It's hard work to rest well. And there's an oxymoron there and it's messy. And I remember when my my wife, a few years ago, we started having our Sabbath together for a long time. Mm -hmm. I would do it by myself. And when we started to Sabbath together, I about three weeks in, she said, this is way too hard. I give up. I can't do it. <laughs> and we persisted. And now she looks back and she says, I'm so glad we persisted. But I, I think what I re- I didn't realize at the time was 
initially, it's going to seem frustrating. It's going to seem yeah. like, man, I can't find my rhythm. And then it's going to take a while to figure out what works. And yeah. t- in terms of keeping it fresh now, I think it takes a while to find out what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, for a lot of us, I remember going to a retreat with a pastor and they said for the week, put away your cell phones and put away everything that looks like work for you. And this week, all we want you to do is to do stuff that, that you enjoy. And I remember this pastor saying, I don't know what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it was so sad for me because, it, you know, he, he had thrown himself so much into ministry that he didn't even know what to do when he wasn't working, when he wasn't serving yeah. God. So for us, it's been this, I, you know, we love going for coffee. Uh, I love good coffee. Yeah. I love exploring the city of Toronto. It's a city of neighborhoods. Yeah. So hmm. Boshar and I love to go for a long walk and explore different neighborhoods. I, I remember somebody giving the wisdom that if you work at a desk all week, you probably want to do something physical on your Sabbath and vice versa. If you hmm. work in a factory or if you're, uh, you know, uh, if you're act physically active all week, maybe you want to lie on a beach or, you know, I don't know what it is, but find a hammock or, but find something that's different from what you normally do. Yeah. So for me, it's exploring the city. And it would be doing the things that I don't have time to do normally. Uh, Just those things that, I don't know, there's these things we do that when we do them, it just feels like I could do this all the time. I just love doing this. Mm -hmm. And by the way, one thing I've discovered is there's kind of a pseudo rest. Mm -hmm. And usually, for instance, I find screens are pseudo rest usually. I never get off a screen and feel like, oh, my soul has just come alive. You know, I, I just feel like I'm more alive after that hour of scrolling through Instagram compared to, <laughs> you know, I never feel like that. I usually get off a screen and feel like, well, I'll never get that time back, right? I don't feel more alive. So getting off the screens and and just finding the stuff that that brings joy. I, I like to think of it as, what if your boss came to you and said, you know what, this week we've met and we're giving you... Uh, a 10 weeks holiday this year in recognition of your good service. Well, most of us would say, okay, what's the catch, right? Yeah. Well, God has given us 52 days a year, just not to, not to do anything, just to simply be, to enjoy him, to enjoy his gifts. That's the equivalent of 10 weeks vacation a year. And yet I find a lot of us view it as being a chore rather than a delight. So right. just leaning into the delight and privilege we have of, of letting go of obligations. By the way, I know it looks different. I know that if you're a young parent, mm-hmm. uh, you have young children, it's, it's going to be more challenging. You know, you can't completely take the break that you would like. I get all that. But even still to lean into today, I don't have to do. I can just enjoy God's gifts as much as possible. Excellent. Well, thank you for your excellent work that you're sharing with all of us. And thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Rusty, really appreciate your ministry. Very excited about it. Thank you for having me on today. All right, folks, thanks for joining us today for the Art of Stability. If you want to keep up with Daryl, check out his website today for all kinds of resources. It is dashhouse.com. Also, if you want to experience Daryl's remixing abilities, check out his newest book, Eight Habits for Growth, a simple guide to becoming more like Christ. I think that you will enjoy it. The Art of Stability is a production of Steadfast Ministries. There I offer spiritual direction, sabbatical coaching, and workshops which all help you stay grounded in Christ to go the distance in life and work. 
For these and other free resources to help you grow in emotional and spiritual health, be sure to check out Steadfast Ministries' website at steadfastmen.com. That's steadfastmin.com. The Art of Stability cover art was created by Brian Bim. Music created and performed by Rob Main. And the music was recorded and produced by the Asterisk Company. If you're enjoying the pod, consider writing a glowing and luminescent review and share it with friends so that more folks can join us next time for the Art of Stability.